Okay, Brando. So, a uh, couple of weeks of shark chicks, eh? Yeah. In honor of Shark Week and ladies diving and um, just sharks and women. They have a lot in common. They're both man eaters. <laughs> Be careful. Should we have a little Hall and Oats in here? She's a man eater. Be careful. You don't want to piss off EB in San Diego. Oh, EB is our, um, our one star. Yeah. Did you see that shit? Is this another one star or is this the same one star from before? It's another one. Really? But you know what? We're on a downward trend or we're just offending people? She got offended. Uh, about which same one, same episode? No, no, no. She got offended about Shark Chicks 1. But again, like, I don't mind if you don't like our humor and give us a one star. But when you give us a one star for something stupid, <laughs> it bothers me. What was she offended about it? What? What did we do? We said that Valerie Taylor was attractive and so was Ocean Ramsey. Oh, because we said they were attractive? Okay, they're ugly. How's that? Here, I fixed it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right, let me uh, give me an eraser. I'm going to change this to five stars. Thank you very much, EB in San Diego. I didn't know it was offensive to say uh, anyone is attractive. She says women just find another resource. And says that not two minutes into the podcast, the hosts began talking about the women, but they were not discussing the women's adventure, their gear, or their skill. Which we did. Which we spent like 30 minutes talking about. Yes. It's just, we, you just happen to have a picture of Ocean Ramsey up behind your, your little uh, uh, screen there. Yeah. And I mean, we didn't spend 30 seconds you just said, oh, she's an attractive gal. And I said, oh, yeah, uh, old uh, Valerie Taylor, 86, she's still an attractive gal. Yeah. Then we spent 30 minutes talking about sharks and another half hour you know, talking Praising specifically about the accomplishments of yeah. Valerie Taylor. So uh, this is what really bothers me the most. Yeah. This is the first time we've been bothered says, by a review, really. Yeah, yeah. She says she turned it off after two minutes. Because and then still gave because, us a rating because we spent thirty seconds saying that somebody was attractive, okay. and then she gives us a one star rating. Doesn't listen to anything else, but now has heard enough to make a everlasting judgment on the show. Ah, nice, nice. Well, I th- I hope that our uh, other listeners, if they read that review, they they understand. I don't know, but I, I did get. I did get messages from women, by the way, uh, about really liking the Shark Chicks episodes. So, Thank you, people. Well, she says at the end, if you, if you guys <laughs> want to attract a larger audience, stop rating women based on looks. This is a, a, probably one of the most ignorant reviews we've ever received. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. She says uh, it's not a welcoming place for us. She says, on the other hand, if you aim to cultivate an audience of straight men, keep up the good work. That's And that's insult. I don't know. That's insulting to me. It is. It is very insulting, especially it sounds like one episode, 30 seconds of it, and we mentioned how attractive they were. And it's not like we were sitting there ogling and oogling and, you know, talking sexy dirty talk about them the other side of this is i mean women are attractive in many many aspects of their being and just because they happen to be 
visually attractive. Mind you, we're looking at a computer. That's all we've got to go by. I don't have their personality. Doesn't take, yeah, it doesn't take into account any of their other beautiful, attractive uh, traits as I a person. I, I feel offended that we have to, I'm offended that we have to justify saying that two women are attractive that happen to be involved with diving, the, the arena of diving, if you will, with sharks, with the, our subject matter for that week. Give me a break. Give me a break. I know it's, it's insulting to even do anything that you have to justify what you're saying. Well, people are so triggered by anything right now. It, it, I think they're like digging and looking for things to be offended by. Like, like any number one, who cares about you being offended by anything? Who the fuck cares? That's your choice to be offended. Uh, you know, freedom must be everything. All of that still goes on. We can all talk and say what we want. I can say I don't even like you. I don't know you, but you're, you're ridiculously ignorant, which to me is unattractive. I don't care if you look like Ocean Ramsey or if you look like Valerie Taylor. You're unattractive. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> you know, you know that... That speech, that monologue right there was, yeah. there, there's only one monologue that can even come close to that. And you know what monologue it was. It was Quint's Indiana, uh, Indianapolis speech from Jaws. Which happens to, to me is probably the greatest monologue in a movie ever. Hands, you know I mean? hands down, the best. Now, Easily. now there's, there's a website. That uh, I, I would like to share with everybody. It's called thedailyjaws.com. And if you're a fan of the movie Jaws. If you're not a fan, why not? Who doesn't like Jaws? Probably EB in San Diego. She probably, she probably, turned, <laughs> she probably turned it off after Chrissy went swimming right at the beginning. I was going to say. She saw, wait, is that an attractive woman going swimming? Turn this stupid ignorant movie off on the other hand if they would like to remake the whole movie with uh with chrissy never going swimming or being attracted to a boy on the beach that's offensive that's offensive (laughs) (laughs) but anyways the daily jaws is just a kick-ass website and uh a page to subscribe to you know they i mean who you'd never know there could be so much information about jaws but but this they've got a really cool blog they've got cool products you could buy books and all kinds of shark stuff and paintings and figurines and all kinds of cool stuff on there it is an interesting website it's uh it's pretty cool you could sit there for hours just uh going oh you you can i mean the shark stuff and the interesting uh little tidbits about jaws the movie and and i know right now today is is not very traditional great dive podcast but I wanted to, just because we've been on the shark thing, I've been looking at this page for <laughs> a couple of years, and I did, I did want to give them some, a little bit of a shout out, but they, they've got a, something out here about why Quint's Indianapolis speech in Jaws is the greatest movie monologue ever. Well, they have, they have a couple they compare it to, too, to include the, the, yes, uh, the Pulp Fiction one, which is up there. You know, Samuel Jackson. Way up there. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Don't go using that bad Samuel L. Jackson accent. <laughs> God damn it, motherfucker. That got us a one-star review from Skip <laughs> last time. 
So the Indianapolis speech, remember, is when they're sitting there on the orca, been looking for the shark all day, it's night, and they're all getting boozed up on the boat, and they start showing off their scars. <laughs> Old Hoop, Hooper and Quint. Yes. And then he takes off on that little four-minute spiel about sharks in the water the tiger <laughs> the tiger, tiger. <laughs> didn't see the first shark for about a half hour tiger 13 footer am i getting it right i haven't listened to it in a while it should be a daily mantra it, it should be like a little pep talk give myself every day i memorized the quint speech from jaws monologue if you will we was coming back from the island of Tinian to Leyte. <laughs> <laughs> you sound just like him. So the long speech isn't actually in Peter Benchley's novel. No, of course not. It's Robert Shaw, baby. They had to give him a speech like this. <laughs> right. He, it, old Spielberg knew that, that he needed some big, big dramatic meaning to it all in there. But he says uh, in this little writing, it says that the final monologue was a combination of work by screenwriter Howard Sackler, Spielberg's friend John Milius, and Robert Shaw. Spielberg maintains that Shaw brought in nine pages Milius had written after having read Sackler's two-page treatment. In the end, though, Shaw knew it couldn't be that long, so he asked to have a crack at it. And he returned with a five-page speech that was what was used. He says that Shaw said that it was his one chance I get to act in the entire drama. But having to actually speak the words made him sick. His remedy, Brando? He uh, had a little shot of the old nipper. A little... Uh, the old... little <laughs> Irish whiskey, eh? A little, little nip of the creature. <laughs> nip of the creature. He says uh, his remedy was to get so drunk that he had to be carried on to set. To start with, everything went fine, but then Shaw wandered off script, <laughs> rambling about his family, and finally ground to an inebriated halt. Spielberg, ever the mediator, told Shaw it had gone brilliantly, gave the actor a hug and sent him home. <laughs> and... Uh, and Show sobered up, uh, uh, Shaw sobered up at 3 a.m. and rang Spielberg to ask for a reshoot. And take two was perfect. Oh, we didn't get take one? Damn it. I, th I think I remember re reading somewhere, too, that what they actually used was a combination oh, of both. Okay, okay. Well, that's called method acting, where you have to actually like live the part. <laughs> right, right. Which uh, we all know, you know, Shaw was that—that that was old Robert Shaw, a uh, Scottish actor, right? and, and to play that East Coast fisherman role, that, like when I was a kid growing up, I mean, I, I never—I would have thought he was just a Massachusetts yeah. local that they grabbed, you know, to play that spot. No telling that uh, he was actually a fine Scottish gentleman. Scottish. I always thought he was Irish, but yes, Scottish makes sense. They've got another page in here about could a great white shark the size of Jaws really exist? Well, hell yeah. 
20-footer. Remember what Hooper said? That's a 20-footer. We're going to need a bigger boat. We're going to need and a bigger Quint boat. Quint said 25. 25. Did he say 25? 25.3 tons of them. 25.3 tons of them. Oh, okay. He uh, said 25.3 tons, so he's pretty... He's just trying. Can you give a? Can you give that in a? Quinn, Quinn no. Quinn, I, I need another cup of coffee. Come on, you could do it. You did it I, so on. good a minute. I gotta go get a little nip of the creature. Twenty five point three tons. Twenty five point three tons. Twenty five point three tons of them, Chiefy. <laughs> <laughs> much better. Much better. They say here that if movie monsters have taught us anything, it's that size matters. King Kong. Godzilla, and even Pacific Rim's kaiju assume bigger is better. Not to be outdone, the shark in Jaws is huge and often categorized as a monster by both fans and critics. And uh, in Benchley's novel, they state it to be about 20 feet in length. And then in Spielberg's movie, they estimated it to be even larger. Yeah. More like 25 feet. That's why they're going to need a bigger boat. Well, interestingly enough, they got a whole uh, section on page here about the boat. <laughs> I saw Like, that. did they really need a bigger boat? And then it goes on to talk about how actually the Orca is the best boat in any movie ever. <laughs> That's funny. They say that, like King Kong, the shark in Jaws is a real-life species still existing today, right? Not like a lot of the the monsters in movies are like from outer space or some mutated right. monster. They say it's just a giant hungry fish doing what giant hungry fish with the daily calorie requirement of a five-a-side football team needs to survive, <laughs> which I think is, you know, when you think of that and, and being in the water with it is, is why that, like, hit the nerves of so many water goers. Yeah. You know, and that, that opening scene of Chrissy getting, you know, torn to shreds is just so graphic. In Benchley's novel, Brando, Jaws, he describes, you know, that tearing apart as below the surface, the fish shook its head from side to side its serrated triangular teeth sawing through what little sinew still resisted. The corpse fell apart. The fish swallowed, then turned to continue feeding. Its brain still registered the signals of nearby prey. The water was laced with blood and shreds of flesh, and the fish could not sort signal from substance. It cut back and forth through the dissipating cloud of blood, opening and closing its mouth, seining for a random morsel. But by now, most of the pieces of the corpse had dispersed, and a few sank slowly, coming to rest on the sandy bottom, where they moved lazily in the current. A few drifted away just below the surface, floating in the surge that ended in the surf. But uh, what I love about the Daily Jaws is these dudes... Have their so their you know their job is like just to like pick apart this movie and it's awesome they got a whole like pictorial pictograph of measuring 
the novel Jaws to the movie Jaws in comparison to uh, Scuba Diver, you know, and then, you know, in Jaws 2, the shark was 30 feet. In Jaws 3, the shark was 35 feet. Jaws, the revenge, you know, they wanted to bring it back to normal, so they brought them back down to 28. Interesting. Wonder who decide. I mean, do the writers get together and decide this? And I guess my thing would be, let's just leave it vague. It's just a big ass shark. We don't need to know its uh, exact length. We don't need that, do we? It's big. It's a big goddamn shark. Otherwise, you get these technical people digging around, going, "Oh, it doesn't make sense. It it couldn't have been twenty eight point three feet. The boat is a twenty six footer, and I saw it right next to it, and it was six inches shorter." Technically, the largest. Great white shark ever recorded is 22 feet, so 25 is not possible. (laughs) (laughs) There's uh, there's something in here though, like you got to go over and look at their products because they got some pretty cool stuff. They got a quint figurine that I I think you'll really dig, and they've got like like one of those like life size like bronze busts of. Of Robert Shaw as Quint. Oh, really? Pretty, uh, like, yeah, yeah, super cool stuff. stuff. you can buy? Yeah. I might have to get that damn Quint. uh... (laughs) Oh, dude, that's pretty cool. Tell tell your wife I apologize for... Nothing's cheap. (laughs) Telling you about this. Oh, 1,200 pounds. It ain't cheap. So they have a blog post in here about shark attack fatality figures for 2021 okay it can't be too good nobody nobody could go out and do much well they started to get released in 2021 but yeah the beaches were back open but they still weren't doing great i mean everything was still taking a hit you know not as bad as 2020 but still pretty bad they say that global results from the International Shark Attack File report show that there were a total of 11 shark-related fatalities recorded for 2021. What about, does it show 2018? Mm, No. Son of a bitch. Um, This report doesn't. I mean, we could look up the International Shark Attack File. Are you bringing yeah, it up? Yeah, I'm bringing it up right now. Yearly worldwide shark attack summary. So I, I'm looking at um, I'm looking at the trends, un, quote unquote, unprovoked shark attack trends worldwide over the past century, and it's consistently gone up with the huge increases, you know, from the 1980 to 89 time frame to the 1990 to 99 time frame. So they've got it, you know, broken down by decades. And um, it doubles from 226 to 500, pretty much doubles then. That was like the biggest percentage. We had a little uh, increase in uh, 60 to 69 too. But 90 to 99, jump up to 500. 2000 to 2009, 661. 2010 to 2019, 803. We're only one year into um, this next decade. We're already at 126. They say that of the 11 fatalities in 2021, nine of those were considered unprovoked, meaning people were in the water when attacked, but were you know, swimming or surfing or diving. But 
hadn't been diving and tried to touch a shark or you know remove a shark from a net or something because that would have been considered provoked if you're physically trying to interact with the shark right so provoked bites uh, making up a little over half from what i see but but they also have you know boat bites people getting bit by the shark in the boat right you know, when they are fishing I, that would be I'd considered provoked, provoked yeah would go under provoked Right. It's crazy to say that 51% of the victims were surfing or doing some sort of a board sport. And 39% were swimming or wading. So almost all of them are. They're dangling. They're not, they're not really. I'm curious what the scuba diving says, snorkeling, free diving, 4%. But we don't know where, where in the water column were they down or are they dangling exactly yeah. right right now the the sharks really um they refuse to follow any of the COVID 19 protocol so they're in a lot of trouble right now <laughs> so <laughs> there's a there's a uh, a heading or classification called doubtful <laughs> i don't know oh yeah they, yeah i don't know what doubtful means but like doubtful that it was a shark attack could be. That's what it could mean. Now, the other, I mean, the other side of this, and they bring it up, which is good. I was going to say that the, the trend is going upward, uh, but that could also be a direct result from the increasing population. Yeah, the, the fatality rates have been on a decline. So they're just coming and taking a little, little chomp. And they and, say, yeah. yeah, they're saying that, you know, um, you know, probably because of, Advances in beach safety, medical treatment, and public awareness. I think a lot of people want to get bitten by a shark just so they can say, I got bit by a shark. So a lot of times it may even, the doubtful, they may even be fake shark attacks. I've got a story here (laughs) from just this year where the headline is, Brother Dives into Water and Fights Off Nine-Foot-Long Shark. To free sister from its jaws. How attractive was the sister? <laughs> uh, she must have been pretty attractive if the brother dove in mm. to save her. There, oh, so it's I mean, that if it was his ugly, if it was his ugly little sister, <laughs> she's a goner. She gone. Shock done got her. You ever see a shark side, sis? Don't worry, <laughs> EB would not listen this far into the show to judge us for that comment oh she'll never i don't know i'm hoping she's angry enough and offended enough she's coming back to get more ammo to just give us another review well we should have really turned it on in the first two minutes <laughs> we should because she's this far into it she's like god damn it she's got to live a life of of like a a tiktok person that, that just can only oh. can only function in like nine second increments yeah yeah you know what i mean it's a sad state of affairs sad state of affairs that we're in all right, so we were talking, where are we at here? Uh, the, a shark attack file. Shark attacks, Chiefy. Shark attacks. You ever see a shark's balls, Chiefy? <laughs> they all smooth and black. <laughs> black like a doll's balls? <laughs> doll's balls. You ever see a doll's balls, Chiefy? They're not smooth like a, like a manscaped balls. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
<laughs> Brando, obviously, you must have heard the news that it's smooth sack summer this year. Did you know that? Smooth sack summer. Triple S, baby. Smooth sack summer. It could be made into one of those like beach movies from the 60s I'm, with I Frankie can see Valley. Do- I can see and, uh, Donny Osmond right now. No, not Donny Osmond. Donny Osmond wasn't in beach movies. Frankie Valley. What? what uh, the, Marie Osmond? Weren't the Osmonds no. in all those little beach blanket bingos? No. The Osmonds? Really? Not Tiki Hut Terror? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Tiki Hut Terror, eh? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. But listen, it was Annette Funicello. You remember Annette? Annette yes, that's Frankie what I'm thinking Annette of. Annette like Funicello, yeah, Frankie and Annette. Yes. And the Elvis made a beach Frankie movie. Frankie and Annette hanging in the sand. Yeah, and they're singing. They're singing uh, "Smooth Sack Summer." And here's Frankie and Annette with the latest hit coming at you now from Laguna Beach. Smooth Sack Summer. It's Smooth Sack Summer. <laughs> listen, when you're playing in the summer sun, Brando, you got to make sure that you're scaped. From pubes to bum. Son of a bitch. That's pretty detailed. That's right. This is the summer to keep your balls cool while still looking hot with Manscaped. <laughs> I could see if you're at a nude beach, you know, you you know, everybody's going to be raiding them. What if, uh, hey, listen, the, uh, the, the sun goes down. You want to do a little skinny dipping with your, uh, with your lady shark? You know, the leader in below-the-belt grooming is making sure that we all have a ball this summer by giving our pants partners everything they need to stay fresh. (laughs) Nice. If you're going to go scuba diving and you want to dive into some smooth sack summer goodness, uh, you got to go to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with our code TGDP. Do it, people. Fringe benefit. The shocks. They want no part of that uh that smooth sack. No, no, they got that sandpapery skin. They don't like a smooth sack. <laughs> There's no. That's no. why you gotta use and pick up your performance package 4.0. It's got everything in there. Lawn mower 4.0, trimmer. Did I mention the trimmer's waterproof too? You can take it to the beach, you can take it to the lake, take it in the shower. This razor will devour even the strongest of pubes, Brando. And, you know, if you get that whole uh, performance package, you know, you can even trim up some nasty toenails, you know, with the little shears 2.0, that little luxury nail grooming kit. Stainless steel nail cutters and tweezers and grooming scissors. You get that performance package, your balls will be ready to impress. And so were those nails. But make sure you cover the rest. Get 20% off, people, and free shipping with the code TGDP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping. TGDP, manscaped.com. It's Smooth Sack Summer, boys. Get on board or get left behind. Smooth Smooth Sack sack summer. Summer. Smooth, smooth sex summer. summer. Everyone wants a smooth sex summer. <laughs> so listen, I was telling you about the brother that dived into the water to free his sister. They say in this story it was a normal family day out on the beach for a teenager in Florida when things took a sudden turn for the worse as a shark attack ensued. A shark measuring nine feet in length. You know how many meters that is, Brando? That's why it's so much cooler to get attacked in America because the shark sounds bigger because it's nine, nine feet. 
But uh, this uh, the shark bit into the shark bit into Addison Bathia's right leg later on while recovering in Tallahassee Memorial Healthcare. In an interview with CNN, the 17 year old recounted that she knew she had to punch the shark's nose to have the best chance of it releasing its grip. However, she just could not reach the spot. The fighting teen, however, was not willing to give up without a fight. And she says, quote, so I just started socking it in the face and then poked its eyes. Unfortunately, things became worse when she tried to use her fingers to get the shark off. The marine creature then proceeded to bite her hand. Son of a bitch. He knew that was going to happen. Sharks don't like their black doll's eyes getting poked. Fortunately, they say that Rhett Willingham, Bethia's brother, was also an EMT and a fighter fighter. And a shark fighter. And a shark fighter, too. He had that to his list on his uh, resume there. He said he heard the teen make a noise, but then could not see her at all. After sitting upright, he saw Bathia's surface along with the shark as well as the blood. Rhett immediately swam to rescue the teen. That's a good brother right there. That's a, that's a tough guy, you know, not even thinking of himself very altruistically just jumping in the water to save someone else above his own safety. Says Rhett successfully fought the shark in about five feet of water. He hauled Addison into the boat, and as an emergency first aid, he tried a tourniquet around her leg. By the time Rhett managed to get Addison to the hospital, the shark attack had done a considerable amount of damage. The hospital's official statement said that the shark attack had done devastating damage to the soft tissue in her right leg, resulting in the, quote, loss of her quadriceps and, quote, massive nerve and vascular damage. Wow, it really took a chunk. Yeah, yeah. they say, unfortunately, this meant that Bethia had to have her right leg amputated above her knee. And uh, later on, her family shared on Facebook that the surgery had been successful and well-wishers also set up a GoFundMe to pay for the rehabilitation and medical expenses of the teenager. She says that uh, Bethia's long road to recovering from the shark attack is going to be long and expensive. However, the good news is that her spirits remain high enough to joke about giving the shark a good beating. Addison even hopes to be able to return to the ocean at her earliest. Her reasoning is surprisingly simple. I've lived 17 years without a shark attack. I'm fine with going back. I like it. Yeah, it's a tough girl. Tough girl and tough young guy. Yeah, yeah. That's a tough chick. So there's a blog in here on the Daily Jaws titled what happened after jaws ended a short story and they get a lot of like reader viewer you know fan mail fan fiction that comes into this page right right and this is kind of like a alternate ending so we ha- we have a little script of uh, one take on how it may have ended yes it's a short story i'll be i'll be brody you could be. Okay. You could be. Nobody who, wants to be Brody. I know. That's why I just, just <laughs> no. decided I'd be Brody. Nobody wants to be Brody. You're gonna jump on the sword there. You're gonna th- impale yourself on this sword. But you're gonna have to be um, Hooper. You're gonna be Hooper. But the, you know, Brody's wife's got a little small part in here, and so does Old Hendrix. You know, the uh, I think Deputy Hendrix. Brody and Hooper finally arrived on shore and placed the barrels on the beach. I got to work on my Hooper here. He's kind of got like a nasally, a little bit. Uh, there you go. Okay, yeah. Right. Just, just, Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. We you, made you it. Good vo- we made it. 
We made it. He's a, he's a little he's dangly, a, but he's not. He's a little he's a little bit nerdy scientist. Yeah, right? that's a, we made it. <laughs> Thank Christ! I thought I'd fall right to sleep in the sand when we got here. It's the adrenaline. It's been one hell of a summer. That's the understatement of the year. <laughs> Hooper kicked off his flippers and Brody, and he began walking in the sand towards the road. When they got there, Brody spotted a payphone, found a few dimes in his pocket, and made his first call to his wife. The mayor could wait. Hooper spotted a nearby clothing store and walked across the street to see if it was opened. On the front window was the picture of a black Labrador with a phone number written underneath. In big writing below were the words, Have you seen my dog, Pippet? A few minutes later, Brody finished his final call to the mayor after calling his deputy Hendricks. Hooper walked out of the clothing store wearing a new pair of jeans, blue sneakers, and a flannel shirt. You clean up nicely. I'm just glad they were open. Come on. Let's go get those barrels. By the time Brody and Hooper retrieved the barrels from the beach and brought them to the road, Hendricks had pulled up in the Amity police truck. I'm, I'm so, so glad you're uh, okay, Chief. Okay, you're going to be the... I thought you were going to be Brody's wife. No, you get, I'm Brody. I can't be Brody and his wife. you got to be his wife. Well, they're never going to talk at the same time, so... Okay, I'll be his wife. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I'm so glad... I'm so glad you're okay, Chief. Thanks. But if, yeah, maybe you should be Hendrix. Well, or you got to make two different voices. Hendrix could be like, uh, hey, motherfucker. He, Hendrix was kind, he was kind of that dopey tall. Well, they, they, they didn't have any African-Americans in Jaws. We could make this more appropriate. Am I right? I'm right. So, Hendrix. Give me, give me your best Leroy Hendrix. Make him like Mr. T. Go for it. You get to be Hendrix. I pitied a fool that took on my chief. Thanks. But if you're really happy, you'll grab these barrels from us. Sure thing, Chief. Hendricks loaded both barrels in the back of the truck and secured them. He then got in the driver's seat as Brody squeezed in the middle between him and Hooper. They drove in silence for a few moments until Hendricks asked the inevitable question. What happened to Quint, fool? (laughs) (laughs) Hooper put his head down in silence and Brody looked at Hendricks. You don't see him here, do you? What do you think happened? Sorry, Chief. The men drove in silence for the next few minutes, and Hooper actually fell asleep. Brody wished he could, but knew the image of Quint in the shark's mouth would haunt him for a very long time. They arrived at the beach house Hooper had rented, and Brody slowly shook him awake. How long was I out? Ten minutes. Hooper stepped out of the car and looked back at Brody. They had both been through a lot together. The looks they gave each other confirmed that. Go get some rest. You're going to need it. Dinner tonight at my house at 6. Bring the wine. Just red this time. Hooper laughed, remembering how sloshed Brody got the first time he came to his house for dinner. It was the same night they found Ben Gardner. It seemed a lifetime ago. I'll see you then. Hooper closed the door of the truck as Hendricks and Brody sped off. A few minutes later, Hendricks dropped Brody off in front of his house. Brody got out, removed both yellow barrels, and then walked over to the driver's side. Thanks. Don't mention it, Chief. When will you be getting back to work, fool? 
I think I'm going to take this weekend off. I'll see you Monday. Can you handle things until I get back? No problem, sucker. If you need, if you need to type any reports, have Polly do it. Okay, Chief. As Hendricks drove away, Brody realized his wife was standing by the front door. They ran to each other and hugged tightly. I'm so glad you're okay. Me too. What's with the barrels? It's a long story. Brody and Ellen walked into the house together as the door closed quietly behind them. Later that night, after Hooper and Brody both slept the day away, Hooper arrived with the red wine and Brody's wife had dinner waiting for them. They talked for the first few minutes and then ate their fried cod in silence. Brody's wife knew everything that happened by now and after dinner, cleared the table and left the men alone with their wine. Hooper was the one to break the silence. It's strange, isn't it? Oh, yeah. When I woke up late this afternoon, I thought I'd dreamt the whole thing. Brody's mind flashed again to blowing up the shark, and then he shook his head. What is it? Quint. Both men held up their glasses and made a silent toast. You know, before I came over, I did a little research on the USS Indianapolis. Oh, yeah? Brody tried to play it cool, but shuddered at the memory of Quint's horrific story. The captain of that ship, Charles B. McVeigh III, committed suicide seven years ago. Good God! He shot himself with his service pistol at his home in Lickfield, Connecticut. In his hand was holding a toy soldier. I can't imagine how he must have felt. His men being attacked by sharks and all they could do was wait. I remember Quint saying he'd never put on a life jacket again. And he never did. The son of a bitch was tough, though. While he was in the shark's mouth, he had grabbed his machete and dug it into the side of the shark's face. Jesus. Brody held up his glass. To Quint. Hooper held up his. To Quint. They clinked glasses and drank. A few minutes later... Hooper let out a laugh. (laughs) What is it? I just remembered us comparing scars and him singing farewell and adieu to you fair Spanish ladies. (laughs) He was a character, wasn't he? Now Brody was smiling. What? I remember the three of us singing together. Hooper laughed and began to hum the theme to show me the way to go home. Brody hummed along for a few seconds and then stopped. Jesus, we're lucky to be alive. Absolutely. You think this could ever happen again? I've been studying sharks my whole life, and I can tell you, there's a lot of them out there. You want to hear something funny? What? After all this, I believe Larry Vaughn will be running for mayor again. Hey, they re-elected Nixon in 68. Good point. The men clinked glasses again and drank to Quint, themselves, and to being alive. The end. Well, that's a nice little epilogue. That's a, what a performance. <laughs> you know, uh, in hindsight, we probably should have gotten shit face wasted like Robert Shaw did before, before we did that take. Uh yeah. Not bad. That's not a bad little uh, ending. I mean, at least it closes no. the story a lot better than just the the guys kicking off 
They're still in the ocean. There's still sharks in the water, Chiefy. Right. Wouldn't that have been a, a kind of a ironic ending if they both would have got attacked again? It'd be the never-ending Jaws. Well, never. it was kind of never-ending to a certain degree, right? Oh, yeah. Remember Jaws 3D? Yes. Do you remember the? Uh, it brought down the helicopter? Well, it brought down a helicopter more than once, I think. Brought down an airplane with uh, Michael Caine. Yeah. And Brody's wife. And uh, Dennis Quaid, I think it was in part two, where, where they were at the uh, the SeaWorld Park kind of thing. And So, hey, everybody, um, go over to thedailyjaws.com and check them out. Uh, these guys, it says, uh, uh, to celebrate the phenomena, history, legacy, and craft of Jaws and shark cinema by keeping fans updated with the latest news, reviews, and events is part of their mission by working closely with leading experts and building on the conservation work of the likes of jaws author peter benchley we educate people about sharks and the threats facing them that's the true legacy of jaws and the people it continues to inspire in the ocean and behind the camera you can follow their journey over on facebook twitter instagram and on youtube but yeah go check them out the dailyjaws.com if you're a sh- if you're a shark lover and uh, Jaws nerd, you're going to love this page. <laughs> I like uh, the the little um, spiel on why Matt Hooper is the greatest uh, movie scientist of all time, and then who they compare him to. Because he he probably was. I mean, really, when you look at it, the uh, the character was a lot more interesting than, say, like Dr. Emmett Brown from Back to the Future. They compare him to... To Dr. Emmett right. Brown, uh, Frankenstein, Victor Frankenstein, right? Dr. Frankenstein, right, right yeah. And yeah. then Tony Stark, who's another scientist, Iron right? Man. Iron yeah, Man. Yeah. And of course, Dr. Ma- uh, Holly Goodhead from Moonraker. Jo- uh, <laughs> and because she goes up against Jaws. Double, double seven, she's, yeah. Well, she's yeah. with Jaws, isn't she? Or she go up against him? Jaws, the, 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 character, the character with the Jaws, big chopper right, teeth. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Right, yeah, so yeah. So it's yeah. kind of a. It's kind of a uh, paralleling Jaws, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they do the same thing about the uh, the why the orc is the greatest boat ever because they compare it to you know the uh, the uh, the African queen. They compare it to you know the boat from Cape Fear, uh, the the big boat from uh, the Titanic. You look at boat from Poseidon Adventure oh, wow. and. and and how none of them compare to the Orca. So it's a great page. So uh, go check it out, people. Also, people, don't forget to go to theabyscoffeeco.com and get yourself some good uh, Michigan nautical coffee. Which uh, brew are you going to get this time, Jamesy? I'm, I'm ready to get some Kraken. I was thinking the same thing. It's funny you said that. Old Kraken, baby. So go check out some of that coffee and uh, send us a note. Of, uh, of how you are enjoying your Abyss Coffee Co. and uh, help spread the word for them. Uh, nice Michigan all-nautical uh, coffee company. So check it out, people. Brando, we got a special treat for the people next week. Yeah, I know we do. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you guys, uh, although this was a little bit off off standard for a uh, Great Time Podcast episode, not that far off, uh, still talking about diving with the sharks and uh, we hope you guys enjoyed it and we will see you next week people same shark time same shark channel tv
And uh, shout out to all you attractive sharks out there.